Highland, I, uh, I, my life, and you y'all know this, I've got different things that I tackle, different uh, projects, if you will, and it's fun to me. And uh, back, oh man, I think it's 2008 or so, I had found a, uh, a, a 1982 Honda Magna motorcycle. It's uh, kind of a, an interesting motorcycle. It was a four-cylinder motorcycle, and uh, but the the old ones were a straight four. But this, those of you that know anything about engines, it was a a, a V engine, and uh, that V type engine. But it had four. So that means it had four carburetors, and so I bought it for next to nothing. And uh, it was one of those places. I don't always get this lucky. Sometimes I do. Everybody else seems to find the good deals and the good bargains, and it just works. I typically find a bargain that ends up costing me way, way more than if I'd have just went and bought something new. But every once in a while, uh, I find it. Maybe, Brother Dave, I'm sure you found both sides of those bargains when it comes to to uh, old cars and things like that. But when I walked to this person's house and and went in and. He, he said, man, this bike doesn't run. There's something really wrong with it. And he, he had had the, the battery on a charger, and he hit it, the charger or hit the, the starter, and I could hear it. And instantly I knew what the problem was. Like I said, that doesn't always happen. But I knew what the problem was. And so I willingly gave him a couple hundred dollars, and uh, I took it home, and I, I took the carburetor off, and I cleaned it. Now that's hard work because it was a four had four carburetors. Got to make sure it's all uh, set up. But I cleaned them, and I got it running. And man, I felt like I was somebody. And it didn't take but a couple days to do that. And I got it running. And so I jumped on that bike and I took off down the road. And I got about three miles away. I was just gonna make a quick back and forth trip. I got about three miles away, and it went. Ka-kunk. I called Dwayne up. I said, "You gotta come get me." And he brought a truck and. We put the bike in the back of the truck, and I brought it home, and I said, man, must be something in the cars. I took the carburetors off. I cleaned them up real good. I put them back on, and I drove it a little bit, and it would drive for a couple miles, and then it would stop. And I did that about three times until I, I'm not always the brightest person in the world, and I realized there must be something getting these carburetors dirty. I've cleaned them four times. There must be something else. And, and so I happened to start pulling the fuel line off and dirt and, and rust and crud begin to come out of that fuel line. and So I began to realize that, that the tank was dirty. You couldn't necessarily see it because it's dark and it's not really good for you to like stick a match in there so you can see it. And I didn't have any good flashlights that I could stick in there, but you know, there it was. So I, I began to research on it a little bit. I, I found out what you're supposed to do. I took a, first off, I just took a water hose. I took the tank off, took a water hose, drained all the, the, the fuel out, and then took a water hose, and, and just huge chunks of rust begin to come off the side of that tank. And then you were take a, you, you, you'd pour some muriatic acid in that tank, and I put a piece of chain in there, and I, I shut, shut it up, and I shook it so I could, that chain would agitate it, and, and it, it began to clean that off. And then you rinse it out with some more water, and then you put some uh, a chemical called MEK, which is similar to acetone, and that absorbs the water. And, and I did this several times, and by the end of the day, I was pretty high on chemical fumes, but I had a good, clean gas tank. And it was amazing after that. You could, you could take that bike and you could go anywhere you wanted to. And a bike that cost me about $200, I sold it for $1,300. And I didn't have hardly anything in it. But I had realized that the tank was not fit to be used. And 
I remember, again, it was around, I don't know, four, five, six years ago. It's amazing how your mind works. You'll see something just hang out there, and God uses those things to speak to you. I was uh, getting gas at a gas station. We all have done that. If you drive a car, you, uh, probably hundreds, maybe thousands of times, you pull up to a gas station, and you, you put the gas in the car, and you're sitting around, and you're just kind of waiting for it to tick down to wherever you want it to go. How many of you are OCD, and all the numbers have to be even? Any of you that kind of person? All right, some of you are. Uh, so, you know, some of you, you got to keep pushing it until the numbers match or however it is. But I saw this sign on, a, uh, on, the, on the thing. I want you to pay attention to this sign. I took a picture of it. How many of you have ever seen that sign or something similar to that? It's unlawful and dangerous for anyone to dispense gasoline in an unapproved container. Have you seen those? Or, or maybe it's a sign similar to this one. Same thing, just a different way to put it. Unlawful, it's dangerous to put uh, gasoline in an unimproved, unapproved container. And I want to preach to you a little bit about that, what it means to be an unauthorized vessel. The word of the Lord uses phrases like this, and so I'm going to invite you to grab your Bible and turn with me to two passages of Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5, and then we'll flip over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And verse 20. First, or rather, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, and 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 20. Very important as we look through this, the Bible says this, but we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then watch what he says. For we, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. This Holy Ghost that we have, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. This is carried over into uh, the passage of 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee, awful youth, flee also youthful lusts and follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. In both of those, it uses the terms and it applies it to you and I. We are vessels. We're vessels. In the house, 2 Timothy says, there's vessels of gold and silver, but also wood of earth. Some are vessels of honor, some are vessels of dishonor. Just so you understand where we're going, you might have a nice crystal goblet or you might have a, a nice golden goblet or a silver goblet, something, you know, think fine china, if you will. That's a vessel of honor. If you want to really impress somebody, you get out the fine china. But in those days, there was another vessel that they would have had. They didn't have indoor plumbing. They had a chamber pot. How many of you know what a chamber pot is? I'm not going to ask if you've ever used a chamber pot, but some of you probably have. If you don't know what a chamber pot is, ask the person next to you and let them explain it to you so I don't have to do it across the, the pulpit. Just to be completely, make sure we all know, there's some vessels you don't drink out of. 
Just because it's a vessel don't mean it needs to be on your plate or on your place setting. There were some vessels that were honorable. There were some that were dishonorable. See, not just any vessel will do. Now, those of you when you were in a Bible or, or when you were in college, it could have been Bible college, but those of you that were in college, you probably didn't have a lot of containers to, to uh, uh, use, and so you use whatever you can. Some of your fine china, as you begin to start your home, some of your fine china was the 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 cups you used to get at Arby's, you know, for ninety nine cents and. Some of you have QT cups that you continually use and wash all the time. And, and uh, anybody ever made Raymond soup out of your uh, coffee pot? Anybody done that? I've done that. Make those, you know, heat it up in your coffee pot. Sometimes as you're growing, you just kind of grab whatever you can grab. But the point is this. There are vessels of honor. There are vessels of dishonor. The law says you're not to put gas in a glass vessel. Not that there's anything wrong with the glass. It's not hazardous. It's not going to spark. But the problem is it's breakable. And so just a, a, a wrong tap, sit it down too hard, and it shatters, and that gas goes everywhere, and now you have a disaster. Neither are you to eat out of a trash can. A trash can has a purpose, but I don't recommend you just pulling your chair up to that and just eating out of that. Just any old vessel's not going to do things. And let me just remind you that God has no desire to dwell in just any old vessel. Now, you'll understand where I'm coming from, but see, the tabernacle of Moses was ordained by God himself. How many times have we preached and spoken that every aspect of the tabernacle was painstakingly followed. It followed the plan that God had laid out because God wanted to be very clear. I will not dwell in just any old vessel. There were three layers to that tent. The first layer, the layer that was on the inside, there were ten different types or colors of curtains that would have been there. It was beautiful. It was fine linen and silk or, 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 or things of that, that uh, type. Above those ten fine fabrics, there was a layer of goat's hair. And above that was a layer of ram skins. The Bible says, or at least the King James uses the word badger skins, but there's even some that have translated that differently and said it wasn't badger, but rather it was seal Skins. They would have lived close to uh, the, the, the Mediterranean uh, Sea and they would have gotten seal skins. And so the part, the, the, the thing was is that the outer layer was waterproof. Now it was beautiful on the inside. You had different colors. You had gold. There, there were some of the, 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 um, the curtains had woven gold threads through them. But you didn't put that on the outside. Put it on the outside, the water and the weather was going to tear it up. But the outer layer protected what was on the inside. Those measurements had to be followed because God wanted to make sure if this is the house in which I'm going to dwell, it must be an authorized container. It was not a temple thrown together. It was not a tabernacle that just haphazardly appeared. The same is true with the temple that David and Solomon built. God had given David exact blueprints. 
And Solomon had built that to the exacting specifications. And I know today there's a, I, I, I saw something a, a pastor friend of mine was discussing and, and he had, he said I, I wanted to do something in my life. And so he, he said I, I had a, a plan and he uh, committed himself, obviously on his own time, but he committed himself to finding a, a certain uh, preacher, not, not, you know, I'm a Pentecostal church preacher, but find a certain preacher that was, you know, a lot of people listened to him and watched him. He said, I listened to it for, for six months, every message that that speaker spoke of. He said, in the six months that I listened to that televangelist, he said, not one time did I ever hear the word sin. Not one time in six months did that preacher ever preach you need to be saved from sin. Not one time was a sin named. Not one time was the word repentance used. And he, he documented all of this. And he, he concluded that uh, thing by saying how sad that you could go six months and never tell anybody that God wants to change you. But that understanding is prevalent in this world today that God doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about what you've done. It's just grace, mercy, and love. But I want to tell you today, there is a sign in heaven that says God is not going to fill unauthorized containers. Now, lest you think, well, how, am, how are we ever going to get that way? Well, the beautiful thing is, is that salvation is the thing that cleanses you and renews you. When you begin to repent of your sins, when you are baptized in Jesus' name for the remission are not just the forgiveness but the removal of sins. When you are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and you begin to speak with other tongues, then that is what allows you. The Bible says the old is passed away and all things become new and at that moment you are an authorized container. With that being said, what you do after that will determine how valid your container stays. That gas tank on that 82 Magna motorcycle was an authorized container. But years of, of neglect and years of someone not taking care of it and not paying attention to what was happening inside caused something that had been authorized to now be something that was unauthorized, if you will. That's why today... It is important that we not just preach about the salvation of God, but we couple that salvation of God with the holiness of God. To the average viewer, that tank looked okay from the outside. The average viewer would have looked at that tank and said, it would have been okay, and that was my problem at the beginning. I knew enough to change some carburetor parts. I knew enough to clean it up. But I hadn't thought about what was on the inside. Oh, sure, I drained the old gas. That was easy. You take the, and, and I didn't see a lot of problems. But I had not checked what was on the outside and I couldn't, or what was on the inside, and I couldn't go anywhere because the inside had not been cleaned. Watch what Matthew, the book of Matthew, Jesus begins to speak. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint 
and ends and coming and, and, and cumin, and you've omitted the weightier matters of the law and judgment and mercy and faith, those that you ought to have done and not to leave the other undone. You're blind guides. You strain at a gnat and you swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within you're full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse thou first that which is on the inside and within the cup and the platter, that the outside may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites, for you are like whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but within are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. One of the most beautiful buildings of all creation is the Taj Mahal. I've never seen it with my own eyes, but I've seen the pictures. But as, be- as, as beautiful as that Taj Mahal is on the outside, its only purpose is to house a dead one inside. It matters what's on the inside. It matters what you do when no one else is looking. It matters how your heart is. It matters what is happening. And if you're not careful, what's on the inside can stagnate. That's why 2 Timothy chapter 1 Paul says to Timothy, he says, Therefore I put thee in, in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of hands. If we're not careful, we'll sit so long that the goodness and the glory that God has placed inside of us can stagnate. It's much like what happened in that gas tank. That gas got old, hadn't been used. There's chemical breakdowns, the chemist will tell you, that happens when gas sits. It begins to suck the moisture from the air and it begins to gel until it will coat the insides of all of the carburetors with a type of varnish and nothing will happen and you've got to get in there and clean it up. It stagnates. You've got to be careful that you're not stagnated on the inside. But if you allow me to tell you, first your inside better be right. There better be inward holiness. But here is the powerful statement. What's on the inside eventually shows up on the outside. That's why you can't have one without the other. Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, you're a bunch of hypocrites. Your outside looks good, but your inside is awful. And there's a flip side of that statement. There's a lot of people that say their inside is good and it doesn't matter what's on the outside, but the problem is the outside mirrors the inside. Look at, at Mark chapter 7 and verse 1. Some of the Pharisees and certain the scribes, they, they saw Jesus and they, they watched the disciples. They were eating some bread with hands that had not been washed. And they got all bent out of shape because they, they took, you know, great care to make sure they washed. For the Jews, the Pharisees said they washed, except that they washed their hands often. They eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except that they wash, they may not eat. Many other things which they had received to hold, the washing of cups and pots and brazen vessels and tables. They loved to make sure it was clean. They, they would not eat anything without washing their hands. They would not eat anything without taking, they, they, they had this down to a science. They would wash the plate and put it in the cupboard. And then they would get the plate out of the cupboard, wash it again and put food on it. 
the Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, they said, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders? Why are they eating with unwashed hands? And Jesus was not interested in their sanitary desire. He said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. And it is written, This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain they do worship me, teaching the doctrines for the commandments of men. But laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such the things you do. And, and he said unto them, Full well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whosoever curses father or mother, let him die a death. And then Jesus goes on and he's showing how they have changed what Moses has said and, and, and there. But then he said, let me, let me tell you something. You are making the word of God of none effect through your traditions that you've delivered. And so he called the people unto him and he said, listen to me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entereth into him that can defile him. But the things which cometh out of him, those are they that defile the man. They have an ear, let him hear. They entered into a house, and I can see Peter, his wheels are turning in his mind. He says, I heard what you said, but I don't really understand it. I'm, I'm trying to help you. And Jesus said, are you so without understanding? Do you not understand that whatsoever things are from without that entereth into a man it cannot defileth because it entereth not his heart but it goes into the belly and it comes out of the draught and it purges all meats. And he said that which cometh out of a man that defileth the man. And for what from within out of the heart of men perceive evil thoughts and adulteries and fornications and murders and thefts and covetousness and wickedness and deceit, lasciviousness and an evil eye and blasphemy and pride and foolishness. All these things come from within and defile the man. It was just Jesus reminding them that, okay, sure, maybe you'll get, you know, you'll get a little sick if you don't wash your hands when you eat that apple. But that's not what you need to be concerned about. You need to be concerned about what's on the inside coming forth. It's the parable of the tree. He said a tree cannot give forth uh, both good fruit and corrupt fruit. One thing is going to happen. If the tree is good, it will bring forth good fruit. If the tree is bad, it brings forth corrupt fruit. For a tree is known by its fruits. Unauthorized containers. Now, we, we start using uh, phrases such as, you know, can you lose the Holy Ghost? And I, I would tell you that, that that's kind of the wrong way to view that. The Holy Ghost, one of the, the ways that we understand the Holy Ghost is it is the earnest of our inheritance. It's a, it's a becoming a child of God. It's allowing ourselves to, to say no longer are we of our father the devil, but now we are of God. We are his children. And if we are his children, there is a promise of an inheritance to come. The Holy Ghost is not something you lose. The Holy Ghost is not something that you trade away. But what it does is it causes you to be a vessel and that vessel is either going to be clean or pure. What happens on the inside affects what happens 
on the outside. The Bible goes on to say in Matthew chapter 12, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Unauthorized containers. How many times have you read in the Word of God, it's, especially when it talks about maybe the disciples or, or people there, it says, and they being full of the Holy Ghost. So we have this, sometimes we get our, our theology a little bit backwards. I'm so thankful for the salvation. I am glad that I can repent of my sins, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Ghost, and I can be saved and, if you will, get that ticket to heaven. But it is so much more than that. In fact, just without going too deep in it, some of the very first things you begin to read about the Holy Ghost was not, hey, you're going to go to heaven if you get the Holy Ghost. But it says, it says you're going to receive power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be witnesses unto me in both Judea and or Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, even to the uttermost parts of the world, God has always designed us to be vessels that He can use, that He can pour into us, that we might pour out. But it's the problem that sometimes we become a vessel not of honor, but a vessel of dishonor. It's hard for God to use an unauthorized container. What matters on the inside shows up on the outside. I want to just remind you again, God cares about the outside. The outside may not be the prettiest. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care how holy you are on the outside. If someone could see on the inside the beauty that God has placed in our heart by his salvation, it far surpasses what's on the outside. God is not necessarily, uh, you, you know, he's not con con concerned about how pretty your clothes are. He's not concerned about how perfect your hair is. But all oh, the beauty he put on the inside far outweighs it, but the outside matters. There's a reason when he created the tabernacle and he did it, there's a reason he put those layers of, 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 if you will, fabric and skins. He did it so that he could put what's on the outside first, that it would protect what's on the inside. The more this world spins out of control, the more important that needs to be. How, how many times have I said it? How many times have you? Our holiness is not measured by how this world goes. We don't measure our holiness because we're better than the world. We don't measure it because we're doing more than the world. Because the problem is, as the world keeps slipping down in a free fall of sin and immorality, so does us if we're not careful. We don't put our, our, our measurement to the world. We put our measurement to God. Modesty still counts in this world today. Being holy in our dress still matters. Making sure that we uh, uh, adhere to the fact that he said if you're a woman, you dress according to a woman. If you're a man, you dress according to a man. Those still matter because what's on the inside is going to show up on the outside. Every once in a while I'll get 
bored and kind of start looking at YouTube and different videos and, and YouTube, you know, it shows you one video and it, it'll have other ones on the side of it. you got to be careful. You don't go down to a rabbit trail you ought not go to. But I saw a, uh, a video. It was kind of cool. It was, a, it was a, a family car, you know, a nice, I mean, it was a pretty car, newer car, but it was a four-seater. It's, it's what a lot of families have. Look good. But the guy walked around and he pushed a button and he picked up the entire frame or, or a, a body of that car and underneath it was a complete race car. You can imagine him just driving down the street and rolling down his window and saying, hey, you want to race? And they look over at that family four-door car because what's on the inside kind of matters. And, and you know, that, that's good, but, but see, there's a flip side of that. If what's on the inside only matters, then let me get a sledgehammer and come beat your car to pieces and make it look like an old jalopy and let me, you know, put a bunch of dents in it. Is that okay? Absolutely not. What's on the inside counts. What's on the outside counts. I want you to turn to the book of Romans chapter 2 for just a moment. Something I, I was reading today and it, it just caught me. Romans chapter 2 says, therefore you have no excuse, O man, for everyone who judges. In passing judgment on another, you condemn yourselves because you, the judge, practice the very same things. I began to look at that. And, and it, it just kind of caught me. Right there it says, you're judging others for things that you're doing. You're getting all bent out of shape because somebody's doing this, but to be honest, you're a hypocrite. You need to practice what you preach because it matters how we are. Turn a few chapters over to book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 starts with that incredible uh, phrase. After Romans chapter 7, Paul has talked about the battle that he fights within his mind and the battle he fights within his heart. And, there, and he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For what God has done through the law, weakened by the flesh, or weakened by the flesh that the flesh could not do. By sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. That in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. And here's the thing. Who walk not according to the flesh, but who walk according to the spirit. Paul said, the only way that I can be an authorized vessel is I got to quit walking according to the flesh. And I got to walk according to the the Spirit. I have seen those gas tanks that I've, I've come across. They look like a gas tank. They've got all the pieces that they're supposed to have. And some of them can even have a smell of gas. The remnant of what used to fill it. But it's become unfit for use. I don't want it said of me that I used to have the Spirit. That I used to operate with the fullness of His glory. 
I don't want anyone to ever look at Brandon Buford and say, you know, I remember those moments that God would fill him with his presence and he would preach and he would operate and he would pray for others. But now he has a form of godliness but denies the power thereof. I want to be an authorized container. I want to be able to say, Lord, I have stirred up what you have poured in me. I've tried very my, my, my best to make sure that I'm instant in season and out of season. The most frustrating thing is life is when you go to your car and you try to start it and it doesn't start. Anybody ever been there? Yeah? Frustrating. I wonder how many times God gets frustrated at you and I. He goes out and says, I've got something for you. I've, this is the moment you've been waiting for and you get ready to start. There's nothing in there. Instead, he has to step aside and move somewhere else because you became an unauthorized container, not filled with the Spirit. After my wife and I got out of the hospital and at the birth of Zeke, I knew better than this, but I hadn't left really. I hadn't been paying attention to the gas gauge. A little bit was going on. We left the hospital and we got all the way home and I, I dropped her off, I think, or, or we did something. Anyway, I, I ran up to Bandanas to get some food that we could bring home and just kind of rest and relax. And there in the parking lot of Bandanas, I ran out of gas. There was nothing. My mom and dad were at the house. Luckily, I could tell them where a gas tank was and they could grab it and fill me back up, let me get to a gas station. As Christians, we cannot afford to operate on empty. We can't afford to just take ourselves down to the wire and try to exist on a Sunday night service that might keep us going for a little bit until finally we just run out of gas. But instead, one of the reasons churches, church services are so important, one of the reasons that our Bible reading is so important one of the reasons that our personal devotions are so important is because it keeps this vessel filled. Not just clean. A clean vessel doesn't mean anything. What's that vessel used for? What is your purpose here on life, on earth? What is your life's purpose? Why did God save you? Why did God go through all of the trouble to change you and clean you up and get rid of the sin and the junk and the cesspool that's in your life why did he do all of that he did it so he could use you the Bible says we're his hands, we're his feet the body of Christ, all of us play a part he did it so he could use you I got multiple gas tanks gas cans at the house you got, you know, one for the golf cart because it takes a, a different kind of gas, I got one for the the weed eaters and the chainsaws. I've got one for the, the, the mower. I want to just walk out and it means I have to do it. It's not just magical. I have yet to find a gas tank that does this, but I have to keep getting them filled. I went and mowed the property yesterday or, or a Thursday and I mowed it and had to make sure I put gas back in the tank because I had used the gas. I'd poured it in. The, in fact, I was mowing and ran out of gas because I didn't check it before I started. I have a problem with that. But luckily I had a container right there. Filled it back up. 
that when I walk out into the garage and I go, I need to be able to pick up a gas tank that's full because I've got work to do. Can I tell you today that God has work for you? I'm asking this question. Are you usable? Has it stagnated within you? And This happens more often than you think. Here's how you know if it's stagnated inside of you. If every time you get ready to do something from the Lord, you got to first cleanse yourself, you got to repent, you got to get back right with God, you need a couple services so you can kind of get everything uh, getting on the, you know, all the cylinders firing just right, you got to kind of get everything cleaned up so God can use you. That's how you know if you've stagnated. You're not, you, you can't be instant in season and out of season. You got to have a church service so you can come to an altar and cry some tears of repentance and kind of get cleaned up again. That's not how God designed you. God designed you so that He could use you anytime He so desires. He desired you to be full, full of His Spirit. Walking with God, you're using that Spirit constantly. You're, you're, you're pouring out. That's the phrase that's used several times in the Bible. You're pouring out into the lives of others. You're pouring out into the things of this world. You're pouring out, and you've got to make sure you're filled. God doesn't want to use unauthorized vessels. If you've never been saved, if you've never received His salvation, never repented, you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, never been filled with the Holy Ghost, you're an unauthorized vessel. Not being ignorant, but that's, the Bible says His holiness cannot dwell in unholiness. There's got to be a cleansing, there's got to be a purging, there's got to be a recreation. But after that salvation, there's a holiness that follows. We talked about boundaries of the mind and boundaries of the heart and eyes and ears a few months ago. All of those is so we can be authorized containers. So I ask you today as you stand, if God wanted right now to use you for His kingdom, would you be usable? If that answer is anything but an emphatic, resounding yes, then you need to say, Lord, stir up, cleanse me, help me, because God, I want to be an authorized container ready for your use in Jesus' name. I wonder if we could begin to come and let him speak to us now as an individual in Jesus' name. I wonder if you'd just begin to call out to him. Let his glory begin to speak to you in Jesus' name.